Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, Alien Abductee Breeding Program. And I'm going back to a abductee we talked about earlier on a podcast, earlier this week actually, by the name of John Velez. And I found this uh, interview with him on PBS.org. And it's from, oh, I think maybe a year or two ago. The title says, Interview with John Velez, an artist who believes he has been abducted by aliens. Starts off, it says, A blinding light went off, my whole body went limp. As a picture of the fellow here. And this is from a NOVA program. And the first thing they say to him, they say is, I want you to first tell us about what these aliens look like, a physical description. And he says, quote, I've seen three different types. The small gray ones, they're about three to three and a half feet tall. They have like an upside-down pear-shaped head with pointy chin. Large black eyes that wrap around the sides of the head and very thin bodies. Arms like gumbies. They look like rubbery things. It's not joints, kind of like we have, and just very, very thin. Now, and he has a picture here that he's drawn, and um, if you go to the pbs.org site with Nova, you'll, you can see it, and it looks like uh, a typical gray with the big almond-shaped, almond-shaped black eyes, and I, I hesitate to even call them eyes. They're almost like some kind of metallic or plastic material they look like. I think it's almost a mistake to describe these things as humanoid. It almost seems like their attempt to appear human, or maybe their attempt to literally intimidate and induce fear in people. And then it goes on and he says, then there's another group that are smaller, maybe two feet high, that wear these burlappy, very rough fabric robes and have bluish or purplish skin, very dark skin. And I would interject here a little bit too. Um, this reminds me a little bit of some of the Navajo, I think it is, uh, folklore talking about the little people. And you see this throughout some different Native American uh, legends where um, Native Americans have seen little people and they describe them as being mischievous, living underground, whatever. Or maybe even like the hobbits that we hear about from some of the older European legends. It makes me think that these things have been around for a long time. And what he's describing is nothing really new. He goes on, he says, then there's a taller version of the gray variety that I described, the big eyes, that are usually the ones that are involved in the medical procedures. Or if there's any communicating that needs to be done. They're usually the ones that do that. Now in other cases that I've that I've talked about, a lot of times people described the gray ones as more or less the gophers. And the ones that are described as, um, oh, like a praying mantis, I guess you could say insectoid, that those more often are described as the ones that are actually carrying out the medical procedures. And I'm using that term medical procedure pretty loosely. Then Nova asks, what is the single most striking thing about their appearance? And Velez responds, he says, the eyes. Oh, the, quote, He's laughing and says, why, what's so striking about it? The eyes. They talk with their eyes. It's their eyes. When you look into their eyes, it's like you can get lost in them. They're very deep, and they talk. 
their eyes talk. They communicate with you through their eyes. They get very close when they talk. They usually get within inches so that their faces are right there. And the eyes are all you see and feel the vision. So I would say the eyes are the most striking. Well, this is something that we've seen repeatedly in these encounters. And it seems as though they're not even so much eyes as if they're some, possibly some mechanism or some interdimensional porthole maybe even they're using to communicate with the human mind on a telepathic level and it's almost as if they're able to uh, exert some pretty serious mind control over people able to control their behavior able to implant thoughts and feelings in them uh, able to uh, defeat resistance that people have toward them so I don't think we can call these things eyes in the way that we think of a human eye or even even an eye in the animal kingdom. Nova goes on and says, Describe as much as you remember some of the details of a spacecraft, both from the outside and then going in. And he says, Well, I've had one awake close-up visual sighting back in 1978 where I saw a light. It was just a huge, formless football-shaped light. There was no craft visible within the light that was moving very slowly over the top of the building and that was making that that was maybe the craft just that was maybe the, the craft must have been 60 to 80 feet away from me but it moved away slowly and disappeared behind the roof line later during regression i remembered seeing the actual craft and it was a classic soccer saucer shaped silver metallic disc with a hump on top there was a very bright red rotating light on the top and a green light on the bottom. I've also seen a triangular shaped craft, a huge black triangle, the shaped craft, and I've also seen a large round orange ball of light. I don't know what's inside the light, but I've seen a huge orange ball of light. Those are the craft I remember seeing through regressions. Now we've talked a little bit about the memory regressions on the podcast before, and I know I have mixed feelings about it. I think sometimes people are highly suggestible in these mental states so unless you can really confirm what a person's saying you just have to take them not only at their word but at the word of the hypnotist or whoever's doing the regression personally i don't think it really matters what the ufos look like the important thing is the experience that he believes that he had and he does seem to be very sincere about that belief Nova goes on and says, could you briefly describe how an abduction experience typically begins? The early stages, when you know something's going on, how do you feel physically? He says, it usually begins with either lights or a humming sound. The room will just be flooded with light, or there will be this humming background, humming sound, and almost an electrical feeling to the air. And then I'll either begin to feel very, very heavy, as if I weighed 10,000 pounds or frozen, immobilized. At that point, usually these little beings, the greys I described, they'll enter the room and they'll take me on board a craft. Not always, but most times there's a physical checkup or a procedure that's performed. They have taken semen samples from me. They have implanted devices of unknown purpose and origin into my brain and into my body. I think there's been enough uh, research done on the implants, just with Dr. the late Dr. Greer's work, that we can say pretty much with certainty that people are being implanted. Now, whether it's through some deep state operation, 
some breakaway civilization here on Earth or through actual alien implants, the evidence is overwhelming at this point that some people have been implanted with devices that are capable of communicating, radio communication. And you can go back and look at some of the podcasts I've done on this, whether it's um, Patient 17 or some of the other podcasts where we actually go into this and talk about it. some point in the future, I'll try to do another podcast on the implants just to, just to keep up to date with that. He goes on, he says, and there's usually some kind of communication and there's usually some kind of communication is done during the abduction. I've been shown apocalyptic visions of the destruction of the earth, the results of all our pollution and raping of the planet, floods, fires, disasters of every imaginable kind. I think what they've been showing me are the results of our interference with the natural order in the world, and that's pretty much thematic of the abduction experience. Well, this is something we've seen over and over again with these aliens, that presenting themselves as saviors to come here to save us, uh, whether it's from this imaginary climate change, nuclear war, whatever. And it seems a lot more likely that they would be the ones bringing the calamity to me. Because what they're doing, they're doing in secret. They're not being transparent about it. So it immediately makes me skeptical as to their motives. Nova goes on and says, Talk about the beginning of the abduction experience, that sense of not being able to move. And then Velez says, well, I think the best way to do that would be to relate an actual experience. I was coming home one evening. I saw a strange light over a building. It disappeared behind the roof line. And I remembered as I walked down the block being very frightened and paranoid, feeling like something or somebody was going to jump out of the bushes and either mug me or hurt me in some kind of way. And when I got on and when I got 10 or 15 feet away from the entrance to my house, there, the house that I lived in had these low hedges in front. From behind the hedges, three or four of these little beings just walked out onto the path in front of me where I could see them. And my first reaction was confusion. I didn't know what I was looking at. I was wondering if they were some kind of animals, maybe, or skinned cats or something. I couldn't figure out what I was looking at. And when the realization dawned on me that there were things, that, that these things were not human beings, panic set in. It's so intense that it takes your breath away. You can't breathe. You can't move. I don't know if I don't know if the immobile, if the feeling or being immobilized <clears throat> is some mind control on their part, or if I was just so paralyzed from fear that I couldn't move. But usually, the first moments of these experiences involved initial confusion, then shock, fear, terror. And this calming comes over you. You just get very calm and a feeling of recognition. I remember having seen these things before, and all the fear just kind of washes away. Nova asked him, have you ever had an experience where you remember trying to struggle or cry out? And if so, what happened? He says, yes, there's two. I was taken from my bedroom one night, and I was being carried out of the house. And these beings have the ability to literally walk through walls, doors, solid objects. I don't know if it's some kind of mechanism or whatever it is, but they have the ability to pass through solid objects. And when we passed through the back wall of my house, I momentarily regained 
normal waking consciousness and began to fight them with all the strength I had, and I was, I was in a pure state of pure panic and terror, and I was screaming at them, this is real, you guys are real, this is really happening. And one of the little guys described, and one of the little guys I described, the ones with the robes, the little blue guys reached over, and what looked like a closed automobile antenna, <laughs> and touched me on the forehead with it. A blinding light went off. My whole body went limp, and I was completely incapacitated. But for those few moments, I was lucid, and I thought, and I fought, and they're very, very strong. I did not break away. I didn't manage to hurt them in any way. And then they have this human cattle prod that they use. That's a really effective toy. You can see from this passage that not only are the aliens walking through solid walls, but they're just carrying him along with it. So whatever they're doing, they are putting his body in such a state that it's able to pass through solid material. And we don't know if this is because they're able to manipulate time and gravity or what it is. But if they actually do have this power, you can see why the U.S. military would think that we are in grave danger. And maybe not just from disclosure, but maybe we're in grave danger from these actual UFOs. I mean, I hate to put it that bluntly, but if this is true... This is some pretty scary stuff. Nova goes on and says, So you've probably had experiences that might have to do with genetic experiments. Have you been part of this? He says, Yes, on several occasions I remember being subjected to a procedure that involves taking semen, placed on an operating table, immobilized. I was induced to have an erection. Mind you, there are no sexual feelings or any passion connected with this. It's a very cold procedure. I remember feeling very stiff and sore in the groin area, and they have a cone-shaped device that's attached to a long hose that comes from a wall. They place that over my genitals. I experienced an electrical tingling sensation, and then an orgasm. The, sense is the semen is collected by this device. The aliens are usually, are usually expressed. You know, they're very pleased with the results. They get very excited. Now, this is something that we have heard with other abductees is about the collection of uh, semen or eggs in females. This doesn't seem like something that peace-loving, uh, caring folk from another planet would do. This man, to me, seems as though he's being treated like an animal. They're just collecting, they're collecting DNA from him without his consent. After one of the medical procedures, I was led down a series of corridors to another room. And when we first entered the room, it was a long, it was a long rectangular metallic walls floor ceiling room. No furniture, nothing on the walls. And just as we entered, the long wall that was over on my left receded up into the ceiling. And it revealed row upon row of canisters. I don't know if they were made out of glass, plexiglass, plastic, I don't know, canisters. They were filled with a clear, luminous green liquid, and inside each canister, and inside each canister attached by little wires and things was one of these little hybrids. 
It was just suspended in there, and for a split second, I thought they were specimens, they were dead. I was overwhelmed by the presence of their minds and their intelligence. I mean, I know I was in the presence of superior intelligence here. They were aware of me. They knew I was there. But to look at these things, you'd think they were dead. They looked like little specimens hanging in jars. There must have been ten or fifteen rows high. And the shelves, the racks were deep. They went back into the wall. So there must have been thousands of these things in there. At that point, from the opposite end of the room, six of these alien creatures wheeled in a cart. Three of them were each holding two of these little hybrids. One creature was holding one and presented it to me. He brought it over to me and asked me if I was willing, if I wanted to hold it. And it was so small, maybe ten inches long, and very frail looking. I could hold it in my cupped hands, and I was afraid of dropping it, actually. And at that point, I was told that these seven, they were seven sisters, seven female of the species, although there are no genitals or sex organs that, that you can see, I was informed that they were my offspring. Nova asks, how were you told that? He responds, I was presented with this one little alien creature, and I was told that the ones I was holding and the other six that these, I'll call them nurses, were holding were mine. And how did the aliens communicate that notion to you? And he says that you hear that all in your head. They communicate telepathically. They think at you, and you hear it in your head. Actually, what I hear in my mind, what I remember hearing in my mind during hypnosis is a very soft, raspy whisper. The voices sound like they're whispering in your head. Noah says, can you give an example? He says, an example, and he laughs and says, yeah, you know, they'll, they, they're always someone there reassuring you and calming you. And what you'll hear is soft voice, you're fine. We're not going to harm you. This doesn't hurt. You know, all of these little reassuring phrases. But in a very, a little raspier than that, you know. But a raspy whisper is what I hear in my head. And then Nova says, tell me what made you, how it made you feel when they communicated to you that you, that these, in fact, might be your offspring. He says, I cried. I was terribly upset because I kept and I expressed this to them. I said, how can these be mine? They're not human. They didn't look human. And I was also terribly upset because I knew that they were going to take them away from me, that these weren't offspring that I could raise, rear, or keep. Not that I know how to do that with them anyway, but that feeling of loss was also there, that these, they were being taken away from me. Now this is something that we've heard in other abductee cases where they claim to have been involved in breeding programs, where they're taking human DNA and somehow creating some type of hybrid if this is true, and there's reason to consider that it might be, when you, you keep in mind that the federal government now says that the UFO phenomenon is, is true, exists, if this is true, if we have some sort of non-human entity or some alien that is using humans to create this alien hybrid, we have to wonder what the purpose is for. Is it, is it just for some type of organ donation program? Are they the... Uh, 
Chinese version of Alien where they kill a couple hundred people a day to harvest their organs? Uh, or are they just creating these little entities as some sort of a brain bank? He talks about how smart, how, how high a level of intelligence they seem to have. Are they using this created intelligence to as some sort of a quantum computer, perhaps? Or do they have some kind of plan to repopulate our planet or some other planet? And of course, there's always the option that this guy is just uh, imagining the whole thing. Nova goes on and says, There's disagreement, as you may know, on, on the part of these researchers about what the real purpose of these visitations are. What do you think? Why do you think aliens are here? Velez says, All right, this is pure speculation on my part, because I don't think anybody knows for sure, with the exception of the aliens and maybe Uncle Sam, and they're not talking. What I think is going on is, I believe these creatures have always been here. I believe their role is basically a caretaker role. I believe their race is incapable of reproducing itself and that these beings have lived in a symbiotic relationship with mankind throughout the ages. They need us in order to reproduce themselves. I believe that's what the hybrids are. I believe the hybrids are just simply more of them. I honestly can't say with any authority that they're from another world, although one may be originally or what their ultimate purpose are here. I mean, all of this could very well be a preamble to invasion, for all I know. But my feeling is that they're very concerned about the physical state of the world. The Earth is in serious trouble, and I believe they're also terribly concerned at our suicidal tendencies as a race, that we're apparently heading, you know, we're heading into oblivion without any care or concern, and I think they are they have literally been forced to intercede. Well, that could be, but I think that might be giving them, giving them a little too much credit. I'm more inclined to believe that if this human hybrid alien breeding operation is for real, and if it's taking place, that it's more of a it's more of an attempt on their part to somehow feed off us psychically. They're driving some sort of energy from the human interaction, not so much that they're here to protect us or look after us. If they can pass through walls, surely they could save the planet if that was their intent. But to me, their intent is much more nebulous at best and possibly quite hostile at worst. It's a very interesting article. You can find it on pbs.org with this John Velez. He seems quite sincere about this human-alien hybrid breeding program. Something to cover in the future, I think, maybe. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out. Thank <music> you.